Hi, everyone. I wanted to remind you of a must read. This is a book that you have to have on your bookshelf. It is called The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. He is able to help you make important decisions, give you some guidance on which path to take, and you get to learn how he tapped into the wisdom and power of the unseen worlds for guidance and inspiration. I had the opportunity to interview him, and he was a lovely guest on the Path 11 podcast, episode 343. Check it out. Listen to the podcast. Go buy the book. Again, it's The Necktie and the Jaguar by Carl Greer. To find out more information, go to his website, carlgreer.com. That's spelled C-A-R-L-G-R-E-E-R.com. Hi, and thanks for tuning in to the Path 11 podcast. I am your host, April Hanna. At the Path 11 Podcast, we are here trying to deliver leading-edge research on consciousness, healing, and metaphysics. And just like you, we are trying to answer the big questions about life. Who are we? Why are we here? And what is our purpose? We hope by listening to our podcast, it will make each day you live on Earth a little easier to understand. And now for today's podcast. Hi, everyone. We have another great show for you today on the Path 11 podcast. We are going to be talking about the UFOs and how that also can be connected to the Bible, amongst other things. And I would like to introduce my guest, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter. He is an ordained interfaith minister and received his bachelor degree in letters from the College of New Rochelle, where he graduated cum laude. He received his master's in divinity degree from Union Theological Seminary in New York City, and he has served as a staff chaplain, board certified at Lenox Hill Hospital, Beth Israel Hospital, Beth Israel Cancer Center, Methodist Hospital, and New York Hospital Queens while residing in New York City. He is also a longtime UFO experiencer, and he lectures extensively on the topic of religion and UFOs. So that's one of the things I'm really excited to hear about today as he combines those two for us. He has also appeared on the Sci-Fi Channel, Steven Spielberg's production of Abduction Diaries, The Real 4400, and is a frequent guest on the History Channel's production of Ancient Aliens and UFOs, The Hidden Evidence, which airs on the American Heroes Channel formerly known as the Military Channel. He has also been interviewed by Academy Award-winning actress Shirley MacLaine, George Norrie's Coast to Coast AM, Beyond Belief on Gaia TV with George Norrie, Contact in the Desert with Heather Wade, and Coast to Coast AM with Jimmy Church. So Reverend Michael has a lot to talk with us today, and I would like to welcome him now. Welcome, Michael Carter. Thank you. Thank you, April. Uh, Thank you both, actually, Michael, for having me here. I was looking forward to it. I don't do as many radio interviews. Well, that's not true. This is the season. I just did one a couple nights ago. But I mean, I used to do like three or four of these a week. Um, But, you know, everything changes and it also gives me some time to pursue some other things. But it's my pleasure, believe me. Yeah, and we really thank you for coming on because, you know, we've only covered the UFO topic a few times. Sometimes it comes up when we are also interviewing some out-of-body experts. So I've been really excited this year to delve into that a little bit more. And that is also one of the reasons why, you know, we wanted to have you on to talk to us and to talk to our listeners a little bit more about this. So maybe we can begin where where you began and why this uh, topic has interested you and why you decided to also combine it with uh, religion. Well, 
I am a clergy person, always wanted to be one, um, and I am a, a, a an ordained Unitarian Universalist. I mean, I'm an ordained interfaith minister. I serve a Unitarian Universalist congregation here in North Carolina. I, where do I start? Well, you know, the, the Danish philosopher Kierkegaard says that life is lived forward, but it's only understood backwards. And back when, in 1989, uh, I had gone to visit the pyramids with a girlfriend at the time and Chichen Itza and Tulum. And I'm coming from a background, remember, I'm coming from um, the Baptist tradition, uh, which this type of stuff is frowned upon. And I had drank the Kool-Aid, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but uh, I had had the dogma and the doctrine. I could recite scripture uh, chapter and verse. And so that was satisfying my life. I was young. Um, my parents were very proud of me. You know, a child also always wants to have the, the, the love and the pride of their parents. But when in 1989, when I had come back from uh, Chichen Itza and Tulum, having not even seen Star Trek, was not in, did not believe in life on other planets, I, I went to, uh, I, was, I was invited to a party in the Hell's Kitchen section of uh, New York. I had gotten back from visiting the pyramids. It was really cold. I, I, I wanted to show off my tan. It was 85, 90 degrees in Mexico, freezing in New York. I wanted to gloat a little. And so I went to the party. And I no al alcohol consumed by me, maybe had some deviled eggs, that kind of thing. And I went back home. I was exhausted. And in the middle of the night, I don't know whether I had to get up to use the bathroom or I just sensed another presence in the room. My girlfriend at the time was asleep and, and could not or would not wake up. And when I sleep on my stomach and something said, turn around. And when I turned around, there was a being at the foot of my bed. Now, this is in the Excelsior Hotel, residential hotel, still exists. I'm going to be visiting in a couple weeks. In Manhattan, okay, so we're not in, in outskirts of some rural area. There was a <laughs> being at the at the foot of my bed who was not really gray, maybe an off-white, a chalk color, had the, you know, the stereotypical huge egg head, the, the deep-set black eyes, maybe four or five feet tall, real spindly built, and had on a, it looked like a jumpsuit that was made of Reynolds wrap. And I thought my heart was going to come out of my chest and my room was enveloped in this cobalt blue light and outside of that light it was it was like Times Square and uh, I, I I thought I, I thought I was going to have a heart attack and and this this individual looked at me and I looked at him or I, I could have been a she but and I pulled the covers up over my head I got in the fetal position and pull, I've never been that scared in all of my life and I heard this sound like swish, swish, like the wind was blowing and I felt like I was outside. The temperature changed drastically. And I finally mustered the courage to pull the covers down from my head. And when I did, no one was there. I was stunned. Mm -hmm. So. What I did was, now this started happening every full and new moon, so twice a month for about eight months, maybe even a year. And these beings would come, and sometimes they would paralyze me where I couldn't move, but they, would, they wouldn't talk to me. They would show me pictures in my head. 
that's the way they it was telepathy. Or, you know, and later on, other beings I met, if they spoke, it, you, you, their mouths didn't move. You would just hear it like you had a stereo system between your ears. And so I talked to a friend of mine. I did go to a mental health professional because I thought I was losing my mind. I had no one to talk to about this. And I, I wound up getting in a support group. I'm giving you the truncated version because mm -hmm. of the time limitations. And I started meeting other people who were having these experiences. And since my my mental uh, aptitude goes more to the spiritual, it goes more to metaphysics, I've read everything I could on religion and spirituality because my rationale was if this person came to me in 1989 CE or AD, as people say, then it's quite possibly they could have been here in 1989 BCE or even before. And I started doing research. I found a few clergy people who speculated on this. And uh, the, the horse was out of the barn. Barn. I read everything I could. Uh, other, other cosmologies, whether it's Native American or Hinduism, of course, Christianity, Judaism. And they all have stories of beings coming down from the sky and imparting wisdom or knowledge or having this technology, which is not the word they used, um, that was almost godlike. And I started looking at the Bible in a different way. And I'm saying, what if our ancestors were trying to, for instance, angels? Angels comes from the Greek word angelos, which means messenger, okay? There's nothing in the Bible where it says these angels had wings. Now, for those people out there who believe in angels, I'm not saying they don't exist. I'm just saying in, in our scriptures, nothing says they have wings. So I thought maybe our ancestors put wings on them to try to tell us these beings could fly. Ah, interesting. Mm -hmm. And I started saying everywhere that I see angel in the Bible— and, I, and this is from other people as well that's who, who speculated on this. Not many clergy people even broached the topic. If I put extraterrestrial, because I don't like the word alien uh, for all the obvious reasons, but it, wherever I see angels, if I put extraterrestrial or star person, it made a whole lot more sense. So instead of saying that our ancestors, oh, they were just using metaphors and what have you, I'm saying, why don't we take them at their word? Why, why, why not say they are trying to tell us in the nomenclature and the language of their day, whether they're saying flying chariots or uh, vimanas, as they say in the Upanishads, which means flying machine. Uh, maybe they're saying that these beings could fly that because of their technology, they could appear godlike. If I went back in time, maybe two, three hundred years ago with maybe a weapon, heaven forbid, I'm not big on guns, or my smartphone or a computer, or I would be godlike because of my technology. Mm. We see it with the cargo cults in World War II, where these, these, these pilots on both sides are shot down, and they land on these islands where people are still living, aboriginal people are living centuries, uh, still keeping that way of life, and they see an airplane, and they see a guy get out of it with a mask on and maybe a weapon and all this technology. These people were worshipped as gods. Well, maybe that's the same thing playing out here. 
that is a very interesting way to look at it. You know, when I yes. think of when I think of the world word angel, when I see pictures, it's very inviting. It doesn't seem scary. You know, there's something soft and, you know, well, we would say angelic about it. But interesting, too, when we start to use the word, you know, star person or extraterrestrial or alien, that could tend to maybe frighten people a little bit, or it just seems too different from us, right? Because some pictures of, of angels, they look like human beings, right? With just wings. Well, well, that's a very good point. The other point is this. Uh, first of all, again, it, it means messenger, a person who's kind of like, who's reporting to someone else. Okay, I'll take that down. Take that down to April. Take that down to Michael. I got a message for them. Run it down there real quick. But what it does is, and this is why I think a lot of theologians and uh, clergy don't want to deal with it, because it brings up, then what is God? Mm. Do these people worship a God? Are they gods unto themselves? Uh, it starts to get a little sticky. Right. Then, okay, are, are, did, did we create religions? Did these beings come and bring us ways of life and we worship them? And is this where our religions come from? If so, is there a God? If there is a God, okay, who created this God? You know, those types of questions. And a lot of these questions, sometimes the questions are more important than the answers. There's literature that says uh, uh, that people have had contact with these off-world intelligences, because there are many races of them, that they don't look at God the way we do. They don't, they don't even look at God. It's, it's more of an intelligence. It's more of an energy, as opposed to an anthropomorphic man or woman up in the sky. Uh, it's a way of being, and we're not separated from that. It's like a glass of water. If I go to the beach and put and, and put some beach water in a glass and take it back home, it would be rather silly for that beach water to think because it's in the glass that it's not part of the ocean. But that's what religion has taught, that there is God outside of us. All our salvation and joy is outside of us. So we're separated from each other and this deity. And now people are realizing that... Quantum physics is telling us everything's connected. Right. And so it opens up this whole change of consciousness, a whole way of being and thinking differently about human beings and our place in the world, our place in the cosmos. Um, and, and this is where it has taken me and my studies and my experiences that I no longer believe in this sense of separation. I know that what I do to you, not just I've read it somewhere, but what I do to you, I do to myself. What I do to my planet, I do to myself. Because there really is no separation. Mm. And, and this belief in separation is why we have the world that we have now. I would agree with that as well. Yeah. Now, um, on your website, you have, um, you know, a specific section here for the alien scriptures, extraterrestrials in the Holy Bible. I'm curious to know if are there a few scriptures that maybe you could share with us? Uh, maybe some people aren't even familiar with the Holy Bible. Um, maybe some are. But do you have any examples and your interpretation? Well, of give an example. In Genesis 6, um Genesis 6, let me go read it. But Genesis 6, okay, here we are. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born to them. 
the sons that the sons of God saw that the daughters of men were fair, so they took them wives of all of them who they chose. There were giants on the earth in those days. And also after that, for the sons of God came into the daughters of men, and they bore children to them, and they became giants, who in the olden days were mighty men of renown. Now in the Hebrew, these beings are called the Elohim. El, uh, which is which means plural. When 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 in the Bible where it says, "Let us make man in our image," that's plural. That's more than one. It's not let us make man in my image. It's let us make man in our image. And so that gives us a clue that there were more than one. Uh, there there are more than one group of people who had a hand in creation. And so whether they made love the old-fashioned way or whether they did it with technology, they took wives upon uh, uh, from the earth women and their offspring were giants. This is in Genesis 6. Uh, 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 I'm sorry, yes, Genesis 6, chapter uh, 6. And so if you do a little bit of research there, and if you can get the Hebrew translations, uh, you know, translated into English, you will see that these, this is called Elohim. Let us make man in our image. Um, if we look at the spaceships of Ezekiel, when he says that he's taken up into a craft and he's, uh, he doesn't say in the chariot, and he's looking down at people and he's talking about what the earth looks like. Um, he's talking about, hold on one sec, I'm going to read you this passage, just give me one sec, just let me find this, it's in the book of Psalms, so I want to get that, because to me it's very crucial, well I'm looking at something, well until I find it, here's another passage, it's the book of Job chapter 9, who made the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the chambers of the south? Who does great things beyond understanding and marvelous things without number? How did these people even know that the Pleiades existed? How did they know that Orion existed? Right. How, where are they getting that kind of information? You know, we're talking thousands of years ago, at least three, four thousand years ago. And Job, in the book of Job, when he's talking to Yahweh or the Lord, and the Lord says, who made the bear and Orion, the Pleiades and the chambers of the south? I, I, I think that we need to look at these uh, uh, chapters. Here's one, the book of Isaiah. This is what I was looking for. Isaiah 40, chapter, I'm sorry, uh, verse 22. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers, who stretches out the heavens like a curtain. How did they know the earth was round? This sounds like Isaiah is viewing uh, the earth from above. It is he who sits above the circle of the earth. Some translations have sphere of the, of the earth. And its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. Doesn't that sound like someone looking down from a craft? Right. <laughs> yeah, I guess, you know, when, you, when you're reading it and you're kind of interpreting it in that way or thinking about the possibility, well, yeah, I, it makes you... What other way can one interpret that? that we're talking right. about Isaiah who lived uh, at least 3,000 uh, years ago. Uh, 
He's saying, I was taught, I don't know what you were taught, but I was taught that Columbus discovered that uh, not only Americas, but that the Earth was round. This is several thousand years before Columbus, and he's talking about someone sitting above the circle of the Earth, and its inhabitants are like grasshoppers. I don't know any other way to interpret that. Yeah. And when you share this with with other people, what's the response? Well, um, at the beginning, 20 years ago, well, I don't know. I mean, I can never say that people, there were some people who were, um, you know, it was an affront to their faith and and uh, it was hard for them or they didn't want to. But most people were very open to it. This is why shows like Ancient Aliens can be on for 10, 12 seasons. People have evolved. 20 years ago, people wouldn't touch this. Now... You have TV shows on several seasons for it. UFOs, the hidden evidence. You have uh, the government saying now that we've spent money, uh, basically saying that these things exist, that that we have spent money trying to track down uh, these unidentified flying objects. And the thing is that people are smarter. There was a time when the government, now they're not going to disclose all, like France and Germany and Australia and Britain and uh, uh, Mexico, they, they're pretty open about this. But we're starting to be. But the thing is this, I think even Ray Charles would, could see it. Why would you have secret files on something that doesn't exist? Why do you have classified documents if these things don't exist? You don't have to go right. to political science school to figure that one out. We know that governments lie. We know that presidents lie. That's part of the job. I'm not saying it's right or wrong. I'm just saying we're the most powerful nation on earth for now. That will soon change because everything changes. But how do you become the most powerful nation on earth? By keeping secrets. Mm. Now, have you ever had anybody um, question? Doing things, you know, I'm sorry. Oh, yeah. No, I was just wondering, um, before we get too far off from what you had just um, read for us about, uh, you know, the translation of the world being round, this was uh, before Columbus. Um, I know that some of the Bible was rewritten for translation after that. Do you ever have anyone question or say that the sphere passage was possibly interpreted for translation after Columbus? No, no, because the point is, is that, first of all, yes, there were things taken out and put in the Bible, but it's not about the interpretation. Maybe the Hebrew words for sphere is something different from circle, but that's not the issue. The issue is you have someone living two to three thousand years ago describing something, and it sounds like they're looking down. To look down and say the inhabitants of the earth look like grasshoppers. I don't know any other way to interpret that. Right. And then what you were just saying here, you know, like where, you know, ancient aliens can be on for these, you know, 11 seasons. People are getting smarter. Um, how do we begin to remove the fear about UFOs and extraterrestrials kind of coming to Earth, working with us? Um, how do we begin to work on that? Well, so well, I guess if I knew that, we could split the Nobel Prize money. <laughs> I, don't think, I don't think there's as much fear as people uh, as, as we're being told there is. I think that the fear factor, I'm not saying that people are not afraid. I'm just saying because of shows like this, because of books being written, because of shows like this, people are saying that this is not going to bring, uh, the sky's not going to fall. Now, the people, people in power 
you know, if I'm a clergy person, if I'm a pope or if I'm a bishop or if I'm, you know, a general and, and, and you know, in, 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 in some military, that's going to scare me because that's what I'm running on anyway, fear, because I don't want people thinking that, OK, now where's my job going to go if people start thinking I'm not only am I an American, I'm a citizen of the cosmos. I'm related to beings not only on this planet, but in the cosmos. Well, rulers don't want that kind of thing because now that you're not in control of them. So the more fear I can put out there, you know, people who are afraid are easier to control. Right. That's yeah. just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so uh, each individual has to decide for themselves how they are going to deal with the changes that are coming upon this planet, even if it had nothing to do with extraterrestrials, just trying to get along with one another on the planet. Uh, so, so I would say, instead of trying to change the world, it may be more realistic to just try to change yourself. The rest will happen. There's a wonderful Rumi quote that says, when I was young and clever, I wanted to change the world. Now that I'm older, I realize I just need to change myself. Mm, right. Now, let me ask you what your, what your take is on the communication that a lot of people do have with the extraterrestrials. Um, some of the reports of people that I have interviewed um, I've heard that they're actually like very kind, kind beings who are really trying to help humanity here, trying to help us to heal our planet, to not damage the planet anymore. Um, you know, that they're not here necessarily to do these experiments on us or, you know, yeah, trying to yeah, harm us yeah. in any way. So yeah. I, I, I know people like that who think like that. Uh, Dr. Stephen Greer being among them. I, I, I just don't think that's realistic. In my experience, I have found that they are just like us in a lot of ways. There are people who have our best interest in mind, and there are people who don't. Right. It's just pure and simple. Um, so, and again, I, I think it's naive to think just because someone has more technology than you doesn't mean that they have your best interest in mind. In my experience, the beings that I have run into do fit in that category, that, that I have not discerned any... Uh, malice or maliciousness, but that doesn't mean everybody is. And so I think that, you know, you use your common sense. We know that everybody in the world doesn't want us to sing Kumbaya and let's all hold hands and be loving. So so I think to me, it's just a matter of, of, of common sense. Now, you, you know, but I don't begrudge if that's what people want to think. But for me, what it does is it it relinquishes responsibility. Once again, someone's going to come and save us from the mess that we've made. Mm -hmm. And that may not necessarily be true. There may be people to guide us. They may guide us and, and, and give us options, but there's always free will. And, uh, you know, it's like people who get angry at, at God, if you believe in a God, for all the mess in the world. But somehow they're not mature enough to say, wait a minute. We made the mess. Why are we blaming God? Right. Good point. Now, um, 
I don't know if this is an, an area to go in. I don't know much about it, but and I wanted to get your take on it. But what about um, people who say that they're kind of, and we, you talked upon it a little bit, good aliens, bad aliens. I've heard of the Anunnaki, um, which are supposed to be an alien race that really are here to disrupt things and bring Yeah, in. yeah. Again, I think that that is just speculation. Uh, I don't think in the paradigms of good or bad. I find that life is both and, not either or. So I don't want, I just want to be clear. I'm not looking, I don't even look at people as all good or all bad. Uh, Dr. Zachariah Stitchin was the father of this type of thinking, not not the polarity of good or bad, but talking about a race called the Anunnaki who created us, uh, who wanted us to mine gold and used us as slaves. Um, I don't know if that, I mean, no one can prove that. See, that's the thing about this field. And that's why you have to have discernment. I know people who come to me and say, you know, I'm part alien. I say, okay. And they'll, they'll go into, and I can't say that you're not. How, how can I say that? That's a very subjective thing. But what I can say is, how do you live your life? I'll watch how you live your life. You do that with religion, right? I know people who go to church every Sunday or to the mosque on Friday or to the temple. And some of them are the most bigoted people I've ever gone into, but yet they're going to services. So like a wise rabbi said 2,000 years ago, by their fruits, you shall know them. Mm. I will watch how you live. I'll listen to what you say, so I'll watch, but I'll watch how you live. And so it's the same thing. If, you know, this is just speculation, but we do that so much. We do it with black people and gay people and women. So now all the Anunnaki are bad. All of them are here. to. So I just say to people that say that, I, I will say, where are you getting your information? Have you ever met one? <laughs> right. How do you know? Uh-huh. Not to be mean, but we, the, the, we, 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 we're, we're on the brink of destroying ourselves. So the last thing we need is more of this type of stereotyping, more of this type of just flying off the handle. People don't know that. They may have read it somewhere. But 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 a whole race of of off world intelligences under this name now all of them are bad. It's just to me it's just an immature way to look at life and to look at uh, our situations. Yeah, you know, and as you were talking and and really focusing more on you know the individual and how are they living their life and you know what are they doing to bring love and you know goodness, it would almost be great if we just stopped calling ourselves in a way human beings and just referred to ourselves as a conscious being or go back to what we really are, which is consciousness. And then I think it takes away all of this, whether they're extraterrestrial, alien, you know. Yes human, but we're consciousness, really, at a fundamental yeah, yeah. level. Yes, I agree. I, I think, though, that and it's, it's not in refuting what you're saying. It, it, I agree with you, period. The other thing, though, is that a lot of the people who annoy us, who pluck our nerves, who they're here to teach us. They may not even know it because, because see, everyone's at a different level of development. There are older souls, there are young souls, there are mature souls. And so when you have to interact with different levels of consciousness, it forces you to adjust. Right. Um, and so 
those folks are our teachers. Everybody's at a different stage of evolution. It, it, it used to get me when people used to say world peace. We want world peace. I don't think that's possible. I think we could work towards it, but you're not going to get 8 billion people to be on the same page. You can't get two or three people to agree on a car accident that they see at the same time. Right. So to say that 8 billion people are all going to evolve at the same time, I think it's pretty unrealistic. I think that we can work towards the world we want to attain, but I don't know if all people are going to, we're not evolving at the same time in the same way. Yes, and, and I think what you're talking about too is with those interactions, I mean, that's how I look at it as uh, our ability to grow, our ability to evolve, to have those interactions with people that may, you know, push our buttons or, and, and we've pushed other people's buttons in some capacity, exactly. shape or form. Exactly. You know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, could you talk a little bit about um, the foundation for research into extraterrestrial encounters? I know that you serve on the advisory board uh, for that. Yeah. And I've never heard of that before. So can well, you share a little more? Yeah, it's 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 it was it's founded by Dr. Edgar Mitchell. I think that he was the what the the sixth person or the fourth person to walk on the moon. And what uh, attracted me to them is because I have evolved as well. You know, instead of uh, obsessing, and I'm using that word intentionally over Roswell or whether UFOs exist or. Was that a balloon or a flying craft? We're, Ray Hernandez and John Climo and Dr. Rudy Shile. I mean, we were focusing on, okay, it's, let's, let's say it's a given that we know we're not alone in the universe. We don't have to argue about Roswell anymore. Let, it's, it's, it pretty much happened. So we said, let's shift to... The people who have had contacts, how did their consciousness change? Because that's what's going to help heal the planet. Right. And so I wrote a chapter. It's actually chapter 12. It's a two-volume uh, work, but I'm in the first volume. I wrote a chapter called The Spiritual Transformation of the Contact Experiencer. And what I did was I talked about my experiences, obviously, but I interviewed people who had these experiences and uh, what shifted in them. They all, oh, I don't have all the data in front of me, but, you know, like maybe 80 percent of people started saying uh, having having a, they, they were more awake about what we're doing to the planet. Uh, maybe, uh, and, and we're talking about over three to 5,000 in interviews here, people who were surveyed, uh, people having more enhanced psychic, uh, clairvoyant ability, people deepening their spirituality, uh, uh, broadening their minds about uh, how the cosmos works. People were talking about just having more love, more love in their hearts. And so instead of talking about which does happen, the or focusing on people having negative experiences, which some people have done, again, because everybody that has more technology from you or comes in a craft is not going to be your best friend. And of course, that sells. We started talking to people who said, you know what, I had a very 
positive experience. I had a more life-expanding experience. And so we started talking about consciousness, the word you and I both use, which is really a fancy way of saying, I'm more aware. I'm more aware. I'm a more aware human being. And we found that people started sharing a tolerance and acceptance for the planet, decreased materialistic focus, more friendly toward the earth and the possibility of star people, having more global humanitarian concerns, more open to the possibility of past lives, past lives, more desire to help others, more compassion. And these were people who had had these experiences. Some of them had lost their interest in organized religion. Some of them have lost their fear of death lost their competitive tendencies, stopped chasing money. Consciousness. Right. Consciousness. That's where, because that's what's going to save the planet. We have to start thinking differently. Who was it? Wayne Dyer, right? If you change the way you look at things, the things you look at begin to change. Right. One of my favorite quotes by him. Yes. Yeah. And and not only that, but, um, you know, my experience, too, and everything that you're talking about, when consciousness shifts and change, changes or evolves, so does behavior. You know, it's like you can't can't behave in old ways once you once you come into a different state of consciousness that involves more love and more awareness it's it's hard to behave in those old ways so behavior also i think um you know correlates with that as well and that's where you see their consciousness changing but also probably their behavior changing towards others towards their planet the way in which they live on the planet yeah but yeah because if you don't back it up with any behavior or actions then it doesn't make a difference anyway Right. Uh, who was it that said the best apology is change behavior? Mm-hmm. Right. So where where can people go um, just in your resource of knowledge? Like if people are beginning um, to look more to look more for a network like you were in the beginning, right? You became a part of this group. I mean, where are some of the the best sites that people can go to to feel connected with a community to describe their encounters and their experiences? Well, again, I would I would look up the, I would go to uh, the website of um, or just Google uh, uh, free. Uh, uh, it's it's the Dr. Edgar Mitchell Foundation for research into extraterrestrial and extraordinary experiences. Just type in free F R E E and type in Ray R E Y Hernandez H E R. N, as in Nancy, A-N, as in Nancy, D-E-Z. He is uh, the co-founder of it. And they have resources there. Uh, They have resources there for people who need to talk to. They may even get recommended to me. But people who need to talk to someone, there's no place else to go. Uh, What do they do with this as opposed to, you know, in, in addition to or as opposed to their religious beliefs? Uh, I think that's a great place to start. There are also plenty of books. Uh, Barry Downing's UFOs and Flying Saucers and the Bible, written back in 1968. Any of my books, Alien Scriptures and the New World, if you can take it. If you type in uh, Reverend Michael J.S. Carter on Amazon, my books will come up. Uh, 
you know, type in UFOs in the Bible, see what comes up. Do the research. That way you can draw your own conclusions uh, about what's going on as opposed to just reading it and saying, you know, well, everyone says the Anunnaki are bad and they're going to come back and get us. You know, you can do your own conclusions and see what's going on. Right. Yeah, and thank you. That was going to be one of my other um, things to ask you is to let our listeners know about your books. And you did that. And when I just Googled um, Ray Hernandez and free, it brought me to the website experiencer.org. So we'll go ahead and also put that in our show notes uh, for our listeners. Yes, there's another wonderful book called Encounters. Uh, and they have a list in the back of mental health professionals. It's by Dr. Edith, E-D-I-T-H, Fiori, F as in Frank, I-O-R as in Robert E. It's a classic. Uh, wonderful books out there. There's a book called Healing Shattered Reality uh, for people who are experiencers. I forget the author. Uh, hold on. Let me look at my library here. Wonderful book. Yes by Dr. Uh, I'm sorry, she's a social worker. It's called Healing Shattered Reality, Understanding Contactee Trauma by Linda Seabach, S-E-E-B-A-C-H, one word, and Alice Bryant, B-R-Y-A-N-T. There are resources out there. Amazing. Well, this has been a fascinating conversation to have. Um, and I'm, I'm so excited that we stumbled upon your work. Um, you know, I'm, I'm really excited now to actually go and have a conversation with my dad. My dad knows the Bible very well, and he's always been the one to bring me scripture. And we've had some great spiritual talks. And I'm curious to get his take, too, on, you know, what he thinks about this podcast when he listens to it and to, you know, ask him some questions. And, um, you know, you're a wealth of information on this topic. And I thank you so much because we haven't had a talk like this on the Path 11 podcast oh, yet. We- so. Just, we just scratched the surface. <laughs> I know. I will tell you about the Star of Bethlehem uh, since we're in that season. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, do we have time? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's, okay. Maybe we'll uh, finish now, with that. Now, Go this ahead. is going to. This may be offensive to some people, but I'm going to cut to the chase. Um, I, you know, one of one of the things about this is that there are many saints and avatars who've been sent to the earth to give us a message. I believe Jesus was one of them, but I believe the star Bethlehem was a spaceship because people are following it. It shines a light down over the manger. Now we can talk about the ministry of Jesus if, uh, uh, but we probably don't have time for that. But we know that stars don't fly across the sky. If, star, if a star moved across the sky, it would change the whole gravitational pull of the Earth. You want to talk about tsunami and tidal waves. <laughs> but a ship can. And the ship, it, it, it follow, it's being followed, and it, it hovers over the manger, and it shines a light down. Obviously, there's a great interest in this child. There are... Um, there's stories in UFO literature about women being pregnant by not having sex, that they have a dream or they have an encounter with a star being. And then, uh, you know, they don't know if it's real or not, but they find out that they're pregnant. And then they have a dream that uh, maybe later down the line, you can look this up and re research it. And then the baby's taken from them. Uh, Mary, Mary is taught to be a virgin. Now, remember, um, 
In, in Hebrew, the word for virgin is Alma, A-L-M-A. It, doesn't, it, it simply means young girl. It doesn't mean a woman who had her hymen broken. There, you, there are stories of women having extraterrestrial encounters and becoming pregnant without having sex. Some of them say, um, a needle was put into my womb going through my navel. And the next thing I knew, several weeks later, I find out I'm pregnant. So I'm saying there's technology involved in this. Jesus, uh, you know, he says, my kingdom is not of this world. I believe if he was, if he says, Joseph is my earthly father, but his father is in heaven. In other words, if my mother's human and my father isn't, mm. that makes me not human. That makes me a hybrid. Speechless. I don't know. Yeah, if my brother's yeah. human yeah. and my yeah. father isn't, because right. Joseph is not my father, but an angel comes, Gabriel. Gabriel's got a great job. He's in the Quran, too. Everywhere he goes, women get pregnant. <laughs> he visits uh, Elizabeth, and they're all older women. He visits Elizabeth, John the Baptist's mother, which is Jesus' cousin. Everywhere he goes, women get pregnant. He visits Mary. It's a great job. But my point being, just trying to add some levity, is that my mother's human, but my father isn't. That that means I'm not fully human. Mm-hmm. It sure makes it sure will account for all the miracles. Right. Huh. Well, like you he said, said I... my kingdom my kingdom's not of this world. He 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 leaves on a cloud. He goes up in a cloud, which is what uh, in, in ancient times people would call that a, a ship. Or chariot, a cloud. Remember, in the Hebrew religion, what are they following? They're wandering 40 years in the desert. The pillar of cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night. It's a, it's fire by night because it glows. It's a cloud by day because a lot of modern-day UFO reports have ships hiding in clouds, camouflaging themselves in, themselves in clouds. Right. It's a lot to think about. It is. <laughs> It definitely is. And I think that you've opened up many doors, not only for me, but I'm sure all of our listeners to um, to walk through, you know. Well, at least to explore, because guess what? Yep. I could be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it could all be otherwise. Right. But like well, you said, I do the research, right? It, do the research for ourselves, you know, yes, take a look at that. Look at this in the 21st century. And it's also a beautiful melding of science and religion, because a lot of these beings, they have the technology with these ships and stuff to cloak, to appear here and there. And a lot of them have a very high degree of spirituality. So science and religion and spirituality don't have to be distant cousins that never speak to each other. Exactly. And so what would your your parting message be for our listeners after all of this and they're digesting all of this information? I mean, ultimately, whether whether there are extraterrestrials, you know, right. whether we're hybrids, I mean, really, what's, Great what, question. what's the message? Whether they're, whether they're extraterrestrials or not is really not the question. The point is, don't believe the lie that we've been told that we are separate from one another. I don't care whether you're gay or transgender or you like Trump or you don't. We, what we do to each other, we do to ourselves. What we do to the planet. So I would say, don't worry about changing the world. 
change your mind about the world, change yourself. The rest will fall into place. Awesome. Thank you so much, Reverend Carter. It was truly a pleasure um, to have you on the Path Love and Co- podcast. Thank you so much. You're very welcome. I wish everybody a wonderful holiday season, whatever it is you celebrate. All right. Peace to you. Bye-bye. If you want more information about our films, visit our website, path11productions.com, to purchase DVDs or to rent and stream each film. You can also find our trilogy of films on iTunes, Amazon Prime, and Gaia.com. You can still use our smartphone app for both Android and iPhones. Just search for Path 11 in the Google Play App Store, or if on an iPhone, look for Path 11 in the iOS App Store. Catch you next time!